Well, good morning, Liberty. I want to welcome each and every single one of you joining us at our different campuses, those of you joining us online and at correctional facilities. I believe that God wants to speak to your heart today, and I am so thankful that you're here. If you're a guest, just a special welcome to you. Liberty family, could you welcome all of our guests today? Let them know we're thankful that they're here. Listen, I've just been really enjoying this sermon series. I think uh, Pastor Daniel and Pastor Zach have been doing just an amazing job. And I know we're also uh, just looking forward to Pastor Grant and Miss Tammy being back real, real soon. You know, uh, Pastor Daniel mentioned a couple weeks ago, he said, listen, I hadn't seen any Roman soldiers in armor recently. And I just, man, by the way, I thought he crushed that sermon. I, I just, I sneak your heads, man, come on. I thought he did a great job. But he said, I hadn't seen any Roman soldiers. And I thought to myself, man, I've seen something similar. And I want to show you that today. Are you ready to see that today? No, no. Are you ready to see that today? Come on, Liberty family, welcome to the stage, Cohen. Come on out here, Cohen. I'm super excited for you to see this young man. He is, man, wearing the armor of God. Come on, one more time, put your hands together here. Look right here, we got the belt of truth. Y'all, we got the breastplate of righteousness, shoes or rollerblades, that's okay, right? Readiness to spread the gospel of peace. Man, we got the shield of faith. Show them the shield, buddy. Come on, we got the shield of faith right here. The helmet of salvation. We're gonna be talking about that today. And the sword of the spirit. Come on, one more time. Give it up for Co. We love you, Cohen. So I'm not a sneakerhead, but I was a hockey guy. Growing up in Canada, I came out of the womb with skates on. And, uh, and so, man, oh, man. And in fact, in our house, we do things a little different. Uh, on Monday night, uh, Bella, our, our daughter, she had a spider on her bed. And that means the boys come with hockey sticks. And, uh, and I kid you not, we killed that spider in Jesus' name. And, uh, and Eli, my, my third son, he had a mini stick in his hand, and he started singing, this is how I fought my battles, right? <laughs> this is how I fought my battles. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, I, I, want, I wonder if you knew that, that hockey goalies originally, they didn't wear helmets. They didn't wear masks. And so a puck could hit them in the face. A stick could hit them in the face. And I've got the picture of just some legends here. And you can see, man, the, the, the scars on their face, Mr. Jacques Plant's face. I'm just telling you. And so people would ask me some questions. they say, one, why would you want to be a goalie? Why would you want to have pucks shot at you, all right? I said, listen, there is strong armor uh, for, this, for this weak body, all right? And, and, and I still got my teeth, all right? These are real, okay, not fake. And so praise God for that. And so I played in the era of helmets. Uh, the second thing that people ask me, they say, were you ever in a hockey fight? And the answer is yes, I was in one hockey fight. I did win the fight. Yes, miracles do exist. And there was a key to my success. The key was this. My opponent didn't know how to get my helmet off. He had never fought a goalie before. And a goalie's helmet is different than a player's helmet. And so I'm just telling you, if he would have got one buckle off, 
I would have been in trouble because my helmet would have come off and it would have been lights out. But I'm telling you that my helmet was my only hope. Some of you are starting to get this this morning. Maybe I need to put it on the bottom shelf. Let me read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8 to you. It's a powerful verse. It says, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. You see, the helmet of salvation is the helmet of hope. If you get it, say amen. I want you to get a big idea here this morning. I want you to walk away understanding that hope secures our mind in the battle. Hope secures your mind. It secures my mind in the battle. And so let's begin reading in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm." Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation." You see, the Apostle Paul is using, again, the armor of God as a metaphor. And he's talking here about, again, the helmet of salvation. Now, a Roman soldier would have been made of brass. It would have been made of leather. It could have had a little bit of bronze and iron in it. But guess what? It had one purpose. Its purpose was to protect the head. So that way, if someone was firing some arrows or or had a sword, it could deflect the arrows. It could deflect the sword or the axe. So it could protect, again, the head. You see, you need to understand a soldier wouldn't go out into battle without a helmet. It would be foolish. There's no need to be a William Wallace today either, all right? You didn't need to go into battle without a helmet. And Pastor Grant has taught us so well. He's taught us that there's three parts to salvation. The first is justification. This is deliverance. This is freedom from the penalty of sin. The second part is sanctification. It's freedom from uh, from the, the very power of sin. So we get freedom first, rather, from the penalty of sin. Second, we get freedom from the power of sin. And third, glorification. That is freedom from the very presence of sin. And in this passage, the Apostle Paul, he's not talking about attaining salvation. He's not talking about justification. This has already been addressed earlier in the letter. Do you remember uh, when he said, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. 
So it's not talking about justification. Paul is talking about the hope of our salvation. Paul is talking about how you can have certainty of heaven, how you can have confidence knowing that you have eternal life. Listen, hope is a confident expectation that God is faithful. Aren't you thankful that we serve a faithful God? 1 John 5.13, it's a really important passage Again, solidifying that we can know that we have hope. It said, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. I'm telling you today, for those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, I want you to leave this place today with hope that secures your mind in the battle. Listen, have you ever heard that expression before, um, Man, it just feels like everything's going haywire. Have you ever heard that expression before? Have you ever heard uh, that expression before? It feels like the wheels are coming off. Or maybe you've heard this expression before. It feels like all of hell is breaking loose. For the child of God, maybe that last expression is true for you. Maybe it feels like all of hell is attacking you. Maybe it feels like it's coming after you. Listen, you need to write this down. Hell hates you. You say, well, Pastor Dalton, don't you've got the gift of encouragement this morning? <laughs> Listen, I love you enough to tell you the truth. I love you enough to tell you that hell hates anyone who identifies with King Jesus. And so Satan and all of hell want to take you out of the battle. You see, Satan attacked Eve in this way. Listen, he attacked her in the mind in the Garden of Eden. And Satan has no new weapons. He just keeps firing the same weapons on repeat. He just keeps firing them. The same lies, the same accusations. There's nothing new under the sun. And he wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your mind because, get this, Satan hates you. He hates you. Satan wants you to live in doubt. Satan wants you to live in despair. He wants to convince the child of God that they don't belong to Christ. He wants to convince the child of God that they're of no significance, that they're of no value. He wants to kill your joy. He wants to steal your hope. He wants to make you miserable in the process. Think about Job in the Old Testament for just a brief moment. He was suffering. You see, Satan attacked him with pain, with suffering. Why? To provoke Job to stop trusting God. Think about Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts. Satan tempted them and wanted them to lie to the Holy Spirit. He attacked them in the mind and they fell to that temptation and it was their downfall. Think about Jesus for a minute. When he was in the wilderness, Satan tempted him. He tempted him in the mind. 
He wanted Jesus to, to question his identity. Listen, he wanted uh, Jesus to question the Father's plan. And so the question has to be asked, how do you, how do I, how do we withstand these evil attacks from hell itself? I want to share some encouraging scripture with you. The first scripture I want to share with you is found in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Look in, in a passage in Isaiah 54, verse 17. It says, no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed, and you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication from me declares the Lord. One of my favorites, James 4, 7. Submit to God. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Can you snap your fingers? Come on. I want to teach you. Y'all got that. You're like, come on. We're about to have church up in here. I want to teach you the three-snap battle plan. First, you need to submit yourself to God. Jesus, your Lord, Jesus, your God, Jesus, your King. I submit everything I am to you. When the evil one is attacking you, submit yourself to God. The second thing you need to do if you're going to withstand the attacks of the evil one is you need to resist the devil. Jesus, I'm yours. And Jesus, I pray that you would send any evil spirit where they belong, back to hell itself. You start to do battle. You resist the devil. You stand firm. And then the third snap, you submit to God, resist the devil. You claim that promise. He will flee from you. Jesus, I believe your promises. I believe your promises for my children. I believe your promises for my grandchildren. I believe that at the mention of Jesus' name, all of hell quakes and shudders. So you, when the devil's coming after your mind, you every time, you just remember the three snaps. God, I submit to you. I resist the devil, and I claim the promise that he will flee. You think about how Jesus fought back against Satan. What did he do? He quoted scripture. He fought back with the word of God. But I also want to warn you of something as well. Avoid giving Satan credit when he's not doing anything. You see, some of you, you're choosing sin over the Savior. You're willfully choosing sin over the Savior. Satan and the evil one doesn't even need to attack you. You're willingly running in the flesh saying, I want this. This is more appealing to me in this moment than the Savior. And I'm telling you, you're just using Satan as someone to blame. But I want you to know, because hell hates you, the helmet of salvation helps you. And so you need to protect your mind. You need to protect your thoughts. It's a defense against despair. I'm telling you, the helmet secures your mind in the battle. If you get it, say amen. And so you need to understand that if hell hates you, 
that heaven is for you. You need to write that down. If hell hates you, then heaven is for you. God has given you a strategy to win. God has given you a knowledge of the enemy. He's given you armor to put on, and he's given you instructions on how you can use that armor in the battle. And oh, by the way, he's given you constant communication. You have constant communication with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And because heaven is for you, it needs to impact the way that you think. It needs to impact your mind. You see, one of the most famous promises in the Old Testament, it was right before the children of Israel were about to be destroyed. And God gave them this promise. He said, I will keep them, I will keep them, I will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast because they trust in you. It's Isaiah 26.3. I'm telling you, You need to put on the helmet of hope because heaven is for you. Listen to Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Again, it needs to impact the way we think. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about, think about, think about such things. I'm telling you, you need to think different. Can can I just shoot straight with you? My mind naturally drifts to the worst case scenario. Anyone else like that? My mind naturally drifts to the worst case scenario. It's like I hear a noise and I'm like, someone's trying to rob me. But when you lose your mind, you lose your focus. I want you to know today, don't drift to the worst case scenario. Hear me, God's not against you. Someone needs to hear that again. God's not against you. Heaven's not against you. Look to your neighbor and say, God's not against you. Tell them, you're not against me. If they said that to the other person, not to you, watch out. I'm kidding. Listen, you need to understand that the people beside you, they're not your enemy. Heaven's not your enemy. God's not your enemy. You need to put on the helmet of hope because heaven is for you. Matthew 22, verse 37. I love this. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with part of your mind. All of your mind. Not just part of it, all of your mind. You see, Eastern religions, what do they want to do? They want to teach you to empty your minds, but I want you to understand today, as a Christian, listen, we need to understand that the mind is vital, and the Bible teaches us to fill our minds with truth, to fill our minds with the truth of who God is, to fill our minds with the truth of God's word. And when you fill your mind with the truth of God's word and you apply it, Satan can't easily lead you astray. 
You see, when your mind is filled with truth and you apply the word, the Lord gives you his wisdom. You know, I continue to find in our culture today, so many people love lies and they hate the truth. They feel more comfortable with lies and selling it as truth. You see, Booker T. Washington said this. He said, a lie doesn't become truth, wrong doesn't become right, and evil doesn't become good just because it's accepted by a majority. Listen, you and I are not to be on the side of the majority. We are to be on heaven's side. And so I want to remind you that our citizenship, first and foremost, is heaven. Listen to Isaiah chapter 8. It says, The Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. He said, Don't call everything a conspiracy like they do, and don't live in dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord of heaven's armies, holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. We don't think like the world does. Listen, Jesus taught us to love our enemies. Think about the apostle Paul as he entered into heaven some of the loudest cheers were coming from people he martyred. And as you enter into heaven one day, some of the loudest cheers will come from people that you were cruel to. But Jesus taught us to think different. You see, the very people that shouted, crucify him, crucify him, Jesus willingly went to the cross for it. While they were his enemies, he willingly died for them. What love. It needs to impact how you think and how you treat other people because heaven is for you. Think about Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son. There's two brothers and a dad. And one brother, he leaves with half the family fortune. And, and he really just spends it foolishly. He is just, again, just so unwise. He's not thinking straight. But he eventually comes to his senses. And he turns his thinking around. And man, there is blessing upon blessing for him. It turns out well for him. But there's an older brother, a religious brother, who from a worldly perspective doesn't do anything wrong, but his thinking is wrong. And in the end, how is he? He's miserable. You see, I want you to understand, don't be a casualty in the battle. You need to think right, and you think right by starting to put on the helmet of hope Heaven is for you. And if you're not wearing the helmet of hope, you're but one blow away from the enemy taking you out. And so you need to put on the helmet of hope. 
Listen, at different times in my life, I just got to be uh, honest with you. I, I've been more like one of, uh, I've been more like Thomas, one of uh, Jesus' disciples who had questions. He had doubts. He, ha- he had concerns. But when Thomas encountered the resurrected Jesus, it changed everything. It's okay to come to Jesus with your doubts, but I pray today that you would have an encounter with the risen Jesus and that your fears would turn to faith, that it would change everything about you. You see, you can combat doubt by reminding yourselves of who God is and by reminding yourself of God's promises, and you can resist fear as you focus on your security in Christ. How do you do this? You renew your mind daily. You guard your thoughts. You know, one of my favorite, again, just passages of scripture is found in John chapter 10, verse 20 through 30, where Jesus is saying, listen, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My father who's greater than all has given them to me. Listen, in this passage, it says that they're in, and you're in the hand of God. And it says, no one shall pluck them. That's a good old King James Version. No one shall snatch them. No one shall take them out of my hand. My Father and I are one. Nobody can take you out of God's hand. Everyone say, no one. No one can take you out of his hand. And hear me, this is why. If heaven is for you, it means the Lord is with you. Y'all, that about make me want to do a happy dance this morning. Good thing I'm behind here, sweetie. I'm just, whoo. The Lord is with you. Amen? He's with you. You know, some of you, you grew up in church. Others of you, you didn't. But if you didn't grow up in church, there was this song that it didn't matter what church you went to, that you sang this song. And, and I'm going to prove it right here. Uh, it would go, it would, I'm going to start, and you, y'all respond at the right part, okay? He said, I'm in the Lord's army. Okay, four of you, all right. <laughs> Trying to prove a point here. Let's try that one more time. I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, Come on. We're in the Lord's army. We don't destroy the enemy on our power. We're in the Lord's army. He's the warrior. The Lord is the one who secures the victory. The Lord is with you. This is great news for the child of God. Exodus chapter 15 verse 13 says, The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Isaiah 42, verse 13, the Lord will march out like a champion, like a warrior. He will stir up his zeal with a shout. He will raise the battle cry and will triumph o'er his enemies. If you're reading the one-year Bible this week, we were in Isaiah 59. I was driving with one of my sons and he knew what I was preaching on. And he was like, dad, that's what you're speaking on. And I'm like, I know, buddy. I'm like, it's not an accident. It's a divine providence, and I'm glad that you're with me as we're listening to the word of God. Listen to Isaiah 59. 
He says, he put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance, wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. Now, some of you are being skeptical and you're like, yeah, that's only in the Old Testament, Pastor Dalton. Well, thank you. Let's look at Revelation 19. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and wages war. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord fights our battles. You know, different people throughout history, different followers of Jesus have got this. Amy Carmichael, she worked in India rescuing young girls that were exploited because she trusted that the Lord would fight her battles. William Wilberforce, he worked tirelessly to abolish the slave trade in the British Empire because his face was anchored that the Lord was his warrior, that the Lord would fight for him. King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicle 20, the people of Judah, they faced an enemy alliance. They were about to be destroyed, but they called out in desperate prayer to the Lord because they knew that he was a warrior. And they were delivered. The Lord caused the enemies and the alliance of enemies to fight against one another. You know, I think it's very interesting. In spiritual battles today, we need to remember that Satan is not the creator, only God is. And he is the imitator because he wants to be like God. He wants to be God. Hear me. So one of Satan's primary tactics is getting Christians to fight against one another. He didn't come up with that on his own. He saw what the Lord did. And I'm telling you today, the enemy wants you to fight against each other. But let me lovingly remind you that hell hates you. Heaven is for you. And the Lord is with you. And so when you put on the helmet of salvation, you're putting on the helmet of hope. And hope secures your mind for the battle. Earlier this week, my precious wife, Lindsay, uh, was telling the Greenbrier staff uh, we, we have staff meetings at each of our locations uh, early in the week. And on Monday, she was telling our staff, the Greenbrier team, she said, uh, it was amazing. Like, Dalton forgot so much. He forgot a lot of things. She's like, he would call me uh, Linda. I told her one time, I said, Linda, I love our life together. She waited a few moments before smirking and said, who's Linda and do I need to take her out? <laughs> I said, listen, Linda, you don't need to go to jail because of me. <laughs> but I, she said, she's like, you know what he didn't forget? He didn't forget scripture that he had memorized. It's because the word of God is eternal. I've heard of people who Man, they get Alzheimer's, they get different 
mental illnesses and they forget so much, but the last thing that they're holding on to is the word of God. The word of God is eternal. He's our only hope. Psalm 39, seven, but now Lord, what do I look for? I hope is in you. Miss Pamela is one of our sweet senior adults here at the Hampton campus, and I've known her for several, several years. She always encourages me. I talked to her earlier in the week, and I talked to each one of the family members asking their permission to share this story. But back in December of 2021, she made her one and only visit to the Greenbrier campus. It was at the end of the year, and she said, I just, I just hear great things, and I just wanna come visit the Greenbrier. I wanna see you over at the Greenbrier campus. And I said, all right, come on, come visit. She came over, she visited. And while the sermon was happening, she said it was like the Lord was speaking to her heart. She came up to Lindsay and I after the service. She said, oh, that, that was such a good service. That was so good job, that was great. She said, as I was sitting there, it felt like the Lord was just speaking to my heart and I just, I have to tell you, it's like the Lord told me you're gonna have a hard year. It's gonna be a difficult season for you, for your family, but just hold on to the Lord. Keep your hope in the Lord. He'll see you through. You'll come out the other side better. He'll, he'll see you through. Keep hoping in the Lord. And Lindsay and I, in that moment, we looked at each other and, and we said, we know exactly what she's talking about. We, she didn't know, but we thought, oh, we know what she's talking about. But we had no idea. You see, 2022 was the year that Pastor had all his struggles with his eyes. 2022 was the year we almost lost Miss Tammy. 2022 was the year that Pastor Zach and Tia lost one of their precious sons. 2022 was the year that Daniel and Claire lost their brother-in-law. 2022 was the year that Megan and Taylor had a difficult time getting into their home and even had a fire in their kitchen. 2022 was the year that I had and Lindsay and I were in our car accident. But as difficult as 2022 was, I stand here with all confidence and say we held onto the Lord. He was our hope and we've come out the other side stronger with greater confidence than ever before that Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords and he is our only hope. Jesus is our living hope. He's your living hope if you're a child of God. Let me read one final passage of scripture. First Peter chapter one. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith 
are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. He's our living hope. But today I wanna give an opportunity for those of you who have never trusted Christ to put your hope in him for your salvation. And I started out with my young son Cohen showing and wearing the armor of God and I thought it would be fitting to end with five pucks to share the gospel with you. The first puck represents you. You are made in the image of God. God loves you, God cares about you. But the second puck represents sin. You see, God's design was broken in the Garden of Eden. And after Adam and Eve, we are all born into sin. We're all born into brokenness. And the third puck represents God. You see, God wants to be in a relationship with you. But sin separates us from God. Your sin, my sin, it separates us from God, from having a relationship with him. And so something has to remove the sin. And that thing is Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. He died for your sin, for my sin, so that you could be in a relationship with God. And not only that, but you could have the hope of heaven. Heaven. You could enter the gates of heaven, not based on your merit, but based on what Jesus had done on the cross. When he conquered sin and he rose again victorious. And right now I want you to accept that gift if you've never done that before. Would you pray silently but sincerely? Would you bow your head? Would you say, dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that I'm made in your image. But God, I am a sinner. I am broken. Jesus, I'm accepting your offer of salvation. I'm accepting your payment for the penalty of my sin on the cross. I'm asking you to come into my life. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. Give me assurance that when I die, heaven will be my home. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to know that if you put your faith in Jesus, all of heaven rejoices. We want to celebrate too. Come on, Liberty, let's celebrate. Let's encourage someone who put their faith in Jesus. If you put your faith in Jesus, you can take a red card at one of our campuses or you can scan the QR code. You take the time, you fill out uh, that red card, you respond. And that's what we're gonna do right now. We're gonna have a time of response, a time of worship at each one of our campuses. You're gonna have the freedom to worship right where you're at. You're gonna have the freedom to come to the altar just to pray. So maybe you're having questions about your salvation. Hear me. If you have unresolved sin in your life, maybe you're experiencing spiritual dryness. Maybe you're struggling with skepticism. Maybe you've got a fear of judgment in your life. Or maybe 
you're letting past mistakes hold you back. I wanna encourage you, come to the altar today. Surrender those things to the Lord. I want you to stand at each one of our campuses. If you're experiencing real conviction, if Jesus is more beautiful with each passing day, if the Lord's continuing to change you, those are good signs that you're walking with him. Can I pray with you as we begin this time of response? Lord, we love you. We ask that you would change us. We ask that you would mold us and shape us. God, we realize that we're in a real spiritual battle. God, we acknowledge that hell hates us because we identify with you. But God, because hell hates us, Lord, heaven is for us. God, we are so thankful, Lord, that you're with us in the battle and that you've secured the victory. Lord, anew and afresh, we put on the helmet of salvation. Our hope is in you, King Jesus. And all of God's children said, amen.